learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, I have often said, my fellow Americans, that from the beginning of COVID back in early 2020, if we had done just two simple things, if we, uh, maybe I should say it this way, if we knew then what we knew now, wow, what a difference that would make, huh? But the two things I've often said, and you probably heard me on here talk about these things, but if we had given every human being uh, nasal hygiene and vitamin D3, I'll tell you what, we, we would have we would have accomplished a lot. We would have accomplished a lot. We would have saved a lot of lives. I, that's my opinion, based on what I know and what I've seen. Those simple things, just simple, simple, simple. Today, friends, has a very special program. It's a, it's a nasal hygiene summit. Two hours, we'll be with you. Some extraordinary folks, uh, uh, experts coming on the, um, the platform here. And as always, in this program of America Out Loud Pulse, you're on with uh, myself, uh, Malcolm Out Loud here, and uh, my co-host is here as well. Dr. Peter McCullough, great to be on. Malcolm, we have one of my favorite people in this entire space, Dr. Mary Tally Bowden. Mary is a courageous doctor. She's uh, uh, went to medical school, I believe, in South Carolina or Georgia, went on to Stanford, did um, ear, nose, and throat training, which people need to understand, ear, nose, and throat, ENT, or otolaryngology, uh, I, that's actually one of the most difficult residencies to get in medical school. People who get these residencies uh, are typically top of their class, and particularly for a woman back at that time to to break into that specialty at Stanford, incredibly impressive. Uh, she went on to uh, set up a practice in Houston, Texas, really in a congested part of Houston. It's called Breathe MD. And she became an expert in airway diseases that are common, particularly sleep apnea, um, uh, various forms of uh, sinus problems, polyps, uh, vocal cord abnormalities, and became an expert. And then she's testified in the U.S. Senate and elsewhere how she became uh, really by necessity an expert in COVID-19. Mary, welcome to our Nasal Hygiene Summit. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm excited to be here. Now, now where else do you get that kind of an introduction, Dr. Mary, right? Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> I feel a lot better about myself right now. Uh, the only thing I'd add to that is she's treated thousands and thousands of patients uh, using the multi-drug early treatment modality since the beginning of this thing. And, you know, I got to tell you, uh, Peter, before this started, we were talking about her specialty, which is a 25-syllable uh, word. Uh, and she said, Let, let's just call it ENT. And uh, that's why I said, Mary, you probably laughed inside of yourself when I said, well, Dr. McCullough, why don't you introduce her, right? You probably looked at Malcolm, you go, right? Is that what you were thinking? It's, uh, well, it's true. You know, it's such a great specialty. And, you know, people, for instance, mothers listening would, would know that, that an ENT doctor would do tympanostomy tubes, as an example. That's, that's common. People who have had sinus surgery would know an ENT does this. But ENT doctors also deal with... Um, you know, cancers in the sinuses. And um, and Dr. Bowden, maybe you could just take it from here. Just describe a little bit about your scope of practice. 
Right. Well, one of the reasons I chose ENT is because of the diversity. Um, it's, you know, you have all types of different pathologies. You have cancer, you have a lot of pediatrics, as you said, ear tubes, tonsils. You can focus, you know, you could do your entire career just on one little subsection of ENT. But if you don't do that, I mean, you can see all ages, you can do soft tissue surgery in the head and neck, or you can do facial plastics. You can use endoscopes to do endoscopic surgery. You can use a microscope to do ear surgery. So it does, it, uh, you know, at first glance, it sounds a little boring, but it's actually complicated. The anatomy is very challenging. Um, so that, that's sort of what attracted me to it to begin with. I have focused on, on airway disorders. I became board certified in sleep medicine after I got my ENT certification. Um, and then, um, you know, it just all came together with COVID, um, and, I just sort of stumbled into COVID by accident. Well, I want to talk to you about that, but but before so, you you when you sent me your little write up, the couple sentences here, you gave me, and I I gotta let's tell listeners so they don't think I'm crazy here. Uh, you said the the O word. Uh, tell, <laughs> tell tell yeah exactly. Tell listeners what the O word is, please. Uh, it's otolaryngology, and you know in residency. <laughs> We had we had to say otolaryngology. It was it was deemed um, beneath us to call us ENT, but out exactly. in the community, everybody says ENTs. But in the academic world, it's otolaryngology. Otolaryngology. Oto Let me say that's I, actually I got it now. Otolaryngology. 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 You say that fast three times. They say right. You get it or something like that. Not unless right. you get it. Right. Yeah. Let me as a starting point. We're we're talking about nasal hygiene today. I just want to throw you this right up front and then I'll let you and I know Dr. McCullough's got a lot to add to this this one here today. But why was nasal hygiene? I think this is a great place to start, Dr. Bowden. Why was it so important and such a big deal uh, in pushing back against SARS-CoV-2? Please. Well, you know, even before the pandemic, I was a huge proponent of saline irrigations. And if you look back in history, they've been around for at least 5,000 years. In India, they used to advocate for it, you know, in ancient times. So it's nothing new. Um, but what is, you know, what I have seen in ENT is this shift in, in surgery. So just way more surgeries than are necessary. And when I started my solo practice, I actually started six months before the pandemic. My goal was to show, you know, my patients that you, you really need to control the inflammation before you can go on to surgery. You don't just jump right into surgery because I was just seeing that way too many people were going straight to surgery. And saline irrigations is the main stain of, de uh, of decreasing inflammation in your sinuses. And, you know, that includes infection, uh, but it includes, you know, pollutants, irritants, uh, allergies, uh, but it's the best thing you can do for your nasal health. So I knew that going into COVID and I actually, prior to COVID too, I, I have my patients add a couple drops of betadine and also baby shampoo and baby shampoo is for biofilm. So biofilm is a sheet of bacteria that can adhere to your sinuses. And it's a difficult thing to, to treat with uh, chronic infections because the antibiotics have a difficult time penetrating um, the biofilm. But the baby shampoo has actually been shown to break up the biofilm. So I, yeah, and then what was interesting 
when I was, you know, when the pandemic first came out, I was looking at what was going on in China. And Jack Ma, who's who's the billionaire that runs Alibaba, he came out with a treatment strategy for patients with COVID. And in it, and it's hidden in there, it's hard to find, but in it, he proposed doing the saline irrigations and adding the betadine. So uh, I thought that was very interesting because we really weren't talking about it in the United States. And then Dr. McCullough uh, was was a big proponent of it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dr. McCullough, what do you think with the national hygiene? What's the biggest point now that we got Dr. Bowden here, uh, in, in your opinion, when it comes to, you know, you see all the listener questions that always come in on this. And of course, you did that amazing post on hovidon iodine a couple of years back that went viral. Uh, what is the biggest thing about this nasal hygiene that uh, we didn't know before COVID that we surely know afterward, huh? It's been such a fascinating story. You know, I I was late in understanding this and what was going on. Uh, we learned that the SARS-CoV-2 virus actually lands in the nose. It actually lands on what's called the cilia. And that's the, the virus begins to try to, you know, penetrate into the uh, into the cells, what's called the ACE2 receptor on the cells in the nose. And so the virus is literally, in a sense, knocking on the door. And uh, there's a recent um, paper that I just posted on my my Twitter feed from Stanford, actually, uh, you know, a layperson article describing, uh, you know, how the virus is trying to set up camp there. But you know who opened up my eyes is I was contacted by Paul Gossett, who's a senior, he's he's considered an anti-infective dentist in Chicago. And Paul said, listen, I want to let you know, he goes, he goes, my big dental operation has been open all the way through the pandemic. And he goes, I want to tell you what we're doing. He says, our patients, we don't know if they have COVID or not. It's, it's you know, it, this was back when it was really, really dense. He goes, we're simply doing a povidone iodine nasal spray, sniff back and spit out. And then we're asking our patients to gargle with povidone iodine. And uh, he said, by the way, when we have gingivitis, when we actually have viral infections in the mouth with cytomegalovirus or Epstein-Barr, he goes, we actually use sodium hypochlorite, which I thought was so interesting. Mm. That's actually dilute bleach. Mm. And he said, if you take a couple of drops of bleach and you put it in a, you know, some volume of water and simply gargle with it and swish it around your mouth, you actually kill the, the virus and then spit it out, of course. And it made me think of, do you remember when Trump got up and 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 said that it, it got misinterpreted where Trump said to swallow bleach or something like this? Right, right. Paul Gossett said that the dentists and, and probably ENT doctors who knew about this, they actually, and he said that actually the American Dental Association has its, its guidelines that sodium hypochlorite, povidone iodine, you can actually use even dilute hydrogen peroxide, that these are all reasonable anti-infective dental washes provided they're dilute and uh, uh, you know they're not swallowed. Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting yeah. um, the point you know, about kickoff. The bleach, you know, you jump into a swimming pool and that's, you know, filled with dilute bleach. So, um, and yeah, it's interesting when I, uh, when I, I have a lawsuit against Houston Methodist and the, the very last uh, sentence that their lawyer uttered was that me uh, telling the public that ivermectin is safe and effective was just like me telling the public to swallow bleach, um, which is just interesting how the other side likes to to paint what we're doing as in, in such a false light. 
But getting back to the origins of this, Malcolm, I had uh, somebody reach out to me, I believe, from Asia, you know, so somewhere where they're around a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they said, you know what? We think even just swimming in the ocean and getting some salt water in kind of your nose and your mouth uh, it has a beneficial effect. And as Dr. Bowden said, you know, just sailing itself um, it has a salutary effect. And what I've learned on this is the biggest mistake we made is to let the virus begin to multiply in the nose. People who characteristically got nasal congestion, right. they got headache, that frontal headache, loss of taste and smell, or just altered taste and smell, and just let it brew. Um, or so it kept repl- replicating. In the, it kept like, replicating. And, yeah. and, you know, the first time I had COVID, yeah. Malcolm, it's early in 2020. This right. is happening to me. Me and my wife are looking at each other. Okay, we're going to go down together, I guess. And we didn't do any form of nasal spray. And, you know, and several days into it, it got into my lungs. It didn't bother her. But remember what happened with um, you in a D. Yeah. And, and the same yeah. thing where you know, we got pulmonary involvement. And what I learned on this is based on the studies, there's been 12 uh, 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 really good comparative studies, three large randomized trials. It has to start early in treatment and it has to be intensive because the virus is always replicating. So you have to you know, do, a, do a good spray up, mm-hmm. sniff it back, spit it out, 30 second gargle, repeat, and then do it another four to six hours later in the, in the setting of, of active treatment. When you're just trying to prevent something you've had an exposure like today believe it or not i had exposure in clinic i'm still in clinic right now and this guy came in he said well i'm not sure i had covid and i'm already you know in the room deep into this yeah uh you know once we went through all our procedures and protocols um i went ahead and stepped out and i did an iodine spray uh in order to you know give myself some margin of protection wow Wow. yeah and you've been doing that right along uh to stay uh, uh, you know, uh, healthy because you went through that period of time early on in the year that uh, was quite challenging. Uh, Dr. Bowden, this, as this thing gets into the, the nasal cavity now and it replicates, and this is what happened as Dr. McCullough was just saying in my own personal life um, with my wife, what the way I describe it is it got into the respiratory tract and then got into the lungs and it wreaked havoc and almost took her life. We were just just, just I don't know, seconds away, I mean, from being on a ventilator. We got lucky by the grace of God that we escaped that. Um, but um, it, it was it was quite severe. And as Dr. McCullough was just saying, we didn't really understand the nasal hygiene back then. And I remember that because we, we were taking the ivermectin. We were taking hydroxychloroquine. We were taking all of the various medications that are in Dr. McCullough's protocol. Um, but what is it about that now that you want to stop the replication of that? And these products like, for instance, for instance, the povidone iodine or the xylitol, because we have experts coming up later in the summit here about that. What did they do to the virus there to stop that replication? What's really happening in, in the nose area there, please? Well, I mean, that. So the saline itself has been shown in in vitro studies that it can inhibit the actual replication of the virus. Um, The chlorine interacts with the ACE receptor. Um, But there's more to it than just the replication. It it improves mucociliary transport, which you have these tiny little microscopic cilia inside your nose. It's one of the primary defense mechanisms against infection. 
And the, the function of those is, is vital in protecting your nose from, or protecting your body from the entry of the, of the virus into your body. And so the saline has been shown, I mean, even prior to COVID, I mean, to, to just imp- to keep that defense mechanism working well. Um, and then, you know, the mucus too, if the mucus gets too dried out, that the mucus traps the, the virus and traps the infection. Um, and it, the saline keeps the mucus healthy so that it doesn't get too dried out or too thick or um, too, too, you know, sticky and viscous. So, um, you know, it's it's more than just a replication. But if it does, if, but if, it, if done properly, does it stop it from getting into the lungs? That's the concept, right? Yes. I mean, if done properly, then it, it ha- you know, it yeah. can potentially. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, having had COVID, it's hard to motivate yourself to get out of bed to do it every four hours. And I do like the idea of a spray because right. it... it it is, it is tough, but... Now, you say... Hold on. I got to stop here. You say every four hours, and I know, Dr. McCullough, you said that, I think, just a little bit ago. I remember hearing that, but uh, I got to ask you, honestly, I remember seeing from a lot of the manufactured, the Popadon iodine products and the Xylitol products, what have you, they're say, saying every eight hours. Is there a right. difference with that, please? What's the difference? I don't know if we have studies to say, okay, eight hour versus four hour. Okay. Certainly, the more, the better. Um, okay. Another technique, if you if you can't get out of bed and irrigate, is to nebulize saline. I have a lot of my patients do that, right? Um, because that's a, you can just sit in bed and, and do that, um, and it also is very helpful. Right, right. There was a, a and Dr. McCullough, you I'm sure know about this. There was a paper done back in August 2020 in the heat of this thing, actually, uh, from the NIH on uh, PubMed. There, a comparison of in vitro inactivation of SARS-CoV-2 with hydrogen peroxide and povidone iodine oral antiseptic rinses, and it says the results after the 15 second and 30 second contact times, uh, the PVPI one uh, I oral antiseptic rinse at all three concentrations of 0.5, 1.25, and 1.5 completely inactivated. SARS-CoV-2. That's pretty significant, Dr. Bowden, isn't it? That is. That is. And um, I have yet to see anybody with, you know, adverse reactions from, you know, I have a lot of patients that come in um, doing nebulized hydrogen peroxide and, uh, you know, a variety. Yeah, I don't think everybody's following a strict protocol in terms of the way that study was done. And the nice thing is I haven't seen anybody suffer uh, because of it. If anything, it just, it, uh, the technique is in the concentration is probably um, not um, that significant. Just the fact that you're getting in there and, and doing the saline most importantly. And then I, I, I usually stick with iodine unless somebody has an, an allergy. And if they have okay. an allergy, I do the hydrogen peroxide. When you do it and you put it in your ne- your nose, do you spit it out or do you do you not? Or what, what's the plan on that, please? Well, I do, you know, and they're different uh, modalities. Right. I usually recommend the sinus rinse bottle, the Milmed. Right. Um, because it's pretty cheap and it's it's simple to do. You just stand over a sink and you squeeze it in each nostril and it usually just comes right out, you know, in the nostril and out. And then I have them just uh, gargle with 
you know, just even plain water with a, a few drops of betadine and do it that way. Um, I will say I'm a recent convert to Navage. I was sort of a skeptic because it is expensive. But personally, I kind of, I like it better. I think it's actually a little bit easier. Um, and you can add iodine to that as well. Okay. Uh, you know, I remember, Dr. McCullough, as we were talking to a lot of the listeners early on through the COVID, through a lot of the Q&As we had and stuff, there were a lot of questions about the mix of the povidone iodine. And of course, what was really funny about that is you went home. <laughs> I love that. You went home on your kitchen counter. That picture is famous now. And actually put it all out and took photos of it. And we put the post up. It's still on the front page of America Out Loud. It's the most uh, shared post. Um, but you were explaining how to do it in the recipe. But people were getting confused with that a lot. Uh, oh, it, it was endless confusion. And you know, even a, a really wonderful physician assistant, uh, Claire Rogers, helped me work on this. We worked on it over and over again to try to create educational material for the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. But um, I want to just update you on, on where we are with the studies now. Just for povidone iodine, okay. there are now 20 studies in COVID-19 involving 3,226 patients. Uh, there are Every study shows statistically significant improvement in terms of mortality cases and viral clearance, 53% um, improvement in whatever outcome they measure in 17 of these studies, which are randomized trials, and 72% lower mortality in two studies. And how this works is that it doesn't el completely eliminate the virus. So the virus is still there and it's replicating. But the way I think about it, it's knocking down the overall burden of virus in the system and it's giving the body some chance to, in a sense, handle it. You Are know, you speaking about the potency of, the, of it, you mean, at the moment? Yeah, no, no. What I mean is when you're using a nasal spray and gargle, right. you're not getting rid of every single virus. Right. Right? Right. I, I think that should be pretty clear. We're just knocking down this this massive um explosive exponential growth of the virus okay. uh and, and so the amount of virus that's in the nose is can be far more better managed by the immune system remember the immune there are immune cells in the in the sinuses even the mucus in the sinus actually has a protective effect and the um uh you know the cellular basis of immunity t cells um what's called natural killer cells uh, th there is an antibody that's in the mucosa called IgA. Uh, and believe it or not, there's even uh, various proteins that are protective. There's one. There's what's called a whole family called sideroalkylins, which are interesting. They try to bind up iron that some some bacteria need. But the bottom line is, we have a an immune system in our noses. Obviously, we're breathing in air all the time, and we're just knocking down the virus with these uh, solutions to give us, uh, you know, give us half a chance to form our own immune system. In the most notable trial by Chowdhury and colleagues, that was the one that knocked it out of the park from Bangladesh. Uh, you know, that was a, a prospective randomized comparative study. Um, uh, it was about 300 uh, people in each group, and they were highly motivated. They got covid uh, they didn't have anything to offer them. They said, listen, can you be in the study and do this uh, protocol of doing the iodine very intensively? Uh, and it was uh, the nasal spray, the gargle, and even uh, povidone iodine eye drops, dilute eye drops. And they did do it every four hours. They, they attempted to do it every four hours hmm. versus uh, a, a matching um, placebo, which was basically warm, was just water, warm water. 
And there, the most notable thing about that study is there was a dramatic reduction in the rate of positive PCR at even at three days. I mean, about an 80% reduction. You know, people turn PCR negative quickly. So here's the point. The point is that it wasn't masks. They weren't the solution in slowing the spread of the virus. Mm, it was wow. actually nasal hygiene. Wow. If people who got sick, uh-huh. Malcolm, if they went home and they did this protocol, yeah. they were PCR negative largely at three days. Yeah. You know, people, untreated people wow. were PCR positive. In, and early on, they were positive for two weeks. People mm. were traipsing around CVS and going shopping and seeing their relatives and then wow. just spreading and spreading and spreading. That's what that, that, that spread factor is called the r not. The R not got huge because the, the period of infectivity was too long. The only way to shorten that period initially is with these virucidal nasal. Washes. Well, you just got me thinking with what you said. You know the mass thing. You know, Peter. What's funny about that is, or sad, is that you know we talked uh, last week, uh, or we were talking about the uh, the mask when you go into restaurants. Remember, they were forced you to wear the mask and walk to the table and all this nonsensical, crazy stuff, which I would not partake in. Uh, what they should have been doing is handling every, handing everybody a bottle of nasal hygiene mm-hmm. at the door. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that would have been it. But just to get back, just to get it. to your back to your question on the recipe, um, as Dr. Bowden uh, basically implied, we blew way too much time focusing on the recipe, and it, it it really didn't matter because the study showed that there was such a wide range of concentrations that always killed the virus. So you could uh, you dilute it. Somebody said, well, if, if it's a half a teaspoon and this and everyone tried to, I said, you know, it honestly doesn't matter. Uh, today, we had a little exercise since we had a patient in our clinic and one of the other doctors was here and, and we were going through it and we were testing how much palvidone iodine do you have to put in a little bottle in order and wonder for it starts to sting in the nose. And you know what the answer is? For a one ounce bottle, it takes five drops. If you get more than five drops of povidone iodine, it'll start to sting. Now, it turns out a teaspoon is 20 drops. And so we are originally saying um, basically half a teaspoon and 1.5 ounces of water. That's actually too strong. And and the other mistake people are making is they were making big, I saw people making liter bottles of this stuff. They were making right, it, you know, right. like they were trying to make an industrial supply. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we give out in our clinic now just a one ounce bottle and tell people, listen, you don't need that much. And it, and it is probably reasonable to make a fresh batch now and again. Uh, you can make it with just tap water and basically five drops of povidone iodine and just put a pinch of salt in it. And in a sense, you have your solution. But people, uh, my partner here, he gets out a bag of normal saline and he's draining. He, he wants to make it with saline and he's, you know, more exact. Um, but that's just povidone iodine. Uh, other people used peroxide. And one of the advantages, I'm interested to hear what Dr. Bowden would say about this. One of the advantages of peroxide, that is just a 3% household peroxide diluted, and the dilution is roughly the same, is it can also be nebulized. Did you ever have any experience with that, Dr. Bowden? I, you know, I have discussed it with my patients. I have, I have not instituted it as a regular protocol, but I know many of my patients have just done their own research and and used it, and I have not seen anybody with ill effects with it. Um, but you know, I haven't really need, yeah, you know, I haven't needed to use that routinely. Um, I usually, in terms of nebulized products, I depends on how severe things are, but I almost always recommend just plain saline. 
Um, but then with COVID, I would usually mix the saline with budesonide, um, and I was able to get by with that. Well, that study, that study I was talking about earlier with the um, uh, the povidone iodine, they actually stay in here, Dr. Bowden. The hydrogen, uh, hydrogen peroxide at the recommended oral rinse concentrations of 1.5 and 3.0 was minimally, minimally effective as a ver- versatile agent after contact times as long as 30 seconds. So was the hy- hydrogen peroxide not as effective? Well, I just, I, you know, have much more experience with the betadine, the iodine. Um, and Obadine, I just, iodine. Yeah. Obadine, iodine. And that's just my go-to in clinic. Um, and I just didn't really see the need to branch out, you know, from there. I, I mean, I recommend it if they're allergic to iodine. But, yeah, I, the iodine works so well. It's so safe. Um, and right. I just, you know, never really... Yeah, I don't have a lot of clinical experience with it because I just use iodine primarily. But but that's an important point. You know, each of the different, you know, what exists. If you go to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons website, the the um, information that um, I put together there, uh, one does use more mm-hmm. peroxide in the solutions. But peroxide is very well tolerated in the mouth. I can tell you, if you took any standard uh, mouthwash and you just poured in half the amount of just peroxide and gargle with it for 30 seconds, spit it out, it's well tolerated. I mean, some people use peroxide for teeth whitening as an example, it's very well tolerated, just don't swallow it. Uh, I questioned Dr. Bowden about the uh, nebulizer. I didn't do it either, but I knew plenty of doctors who did. And I, and I talked to people in Asia, they used that a lot. Um, I always questioned whether or not it would irritate the airways of actually nebulizing peroxide into the airways. And I, I know, you know, I, I, some people when they had COVID, Malcolm, the worst part about it was the intractable coughing. That once the coughing yeah. got, you know, once there was an irritation and once it started, it wouldn't stop. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I had some patients who had collapsed lungs because the coughing was, was called hyperpnea. There was so much pressure in the airways. It would actually be a, you know, a rupture of the of, of, of a some lung tissue and yeah, you know, air, air, air would go around. The coughing was a was a real problem, and I, I've been curious, um, uh, you, you know, about other things that could be inhaled. I, I gave one show I dedicated to a Eastern Asian medicine, and there were some doctors saying, "Listen, we use various aromatherapy, different herbs and poultices on the chest." Hmm. And wow. They were describing things they did, Malcolm, uh, historically back through the Spanish flu. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, how does this work? You know, various forms of menthols and aromatic substances. He said, listen, he said, if you can get the airways just to settle down and stop this coughing so much and get a little bit of dilation of the airways, he says, all we're trying to do is get people past this anxiety phase mm. of the respiratory illness and the body's going to handle this. And I thought wow. it was such an interesting suggestion that, you know, he said, listen, a lot of this is just trying to calm people's anxiety because when there's no help, no one's prescribing anything, no one can go visit your relative or your loved one. It, the anxiety is unbearable when this oh, yeah. respiratory distress sets in. Yeah. I mean, I listen, uh, my, uh, as you were talking, my mind went back. It's almost like PTSD. It went back to the times when I was at that point with my wife and uh, it had got into her lungs and she was fighting for her life. It's it's not a pretty picture. I mean, and many out there know what I'm talking about. And many people lost their lives because of this. It's a sad state of affairs. This is why this nasal hygiene is so important. 
And the thing about it is, as Dr. McCullough was saying recently, oh, last couple of weeks or so, that, God, that's one of the things we've learned from this whole COVID deal. And is he, well, he actually just admitted actually a little earlier, too. There's so much we didn't know early on about nasal hygiene that we learned a little bit later on. And now we're we're big, big, uh, you know, uh, advocates of this and know that this is uh, proponents of, you know, that this is the way to go uh, to to use this. So. That's the purpose of today's program. Let me take just a moment as we pause here, friends, to say you're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. It is a, uh, we just felt the time was right to do this. This is one of the topics. We get so many questions in on this. And a lot of them was back to early on where it's constant, but like the ingredients, what you put in and what's the percentage and dilution and so on and so forth, you know, which is why Dr. McCullough went in on his kitchen table and did it all and sent the photographs. And we put that post up back a couple of years ago. I just love that because sometimes it's the simplest things you can do, you know, to get the point across. And that's kind of what we did then. And that's the most shared successful post ever uh, on the platform because of that. But uh, I believe in nasal hygiene. I, I think it's like we wash our, and we'll ask Dr. Bowden some of this as we come back here, but you know, when you wash your hands and you, we just, just never thought about washing your nose, you know, now, now remember as a kid growing up, when you were fresh as a teenager, your mother would say, wash your mouth, but that was a different story. Let's face it. But it's just, this is different. Like wash your nose. Right. And, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm, yeah. can, can I ask Dr. Bowden? I want to. I'm always, you know, I have this rare opportunity to ask an expert, Dr. Bowden. Uh, you know, all this emphasis on hand sanitizer. Do you think it really had any favorable role to play? Huh. Well, I mean, clean hands is important. I think for any infection control. Right. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't say that. No, you sh- we shouldn't clean our hands, um, but I do think that people have overlooked nasal hygiene. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me rephrase that. If you were, if you had had a choice between cleaning your nose or cleaning your hands, which would you do? Uh, clean my hands. In terms of COVID and respiratory. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I will say, you, know, you touch your eyes, you touch your face. But a lot of people don't t- realize how much they touch their face, especially with these masks. Everybody is touching the mask all the time. Um, and so, but I will say, I, I always tell my patients, when you brush your teeth, you should clean your nose. So I think and like I said earlier, I mean, in India, this has been going on for thousands of years. I mean, that's just part right, of their right. routine. So I know it seems novel Bru- to us. But brush your teeth, clean your nose. Around. Brush your teeth, clean your nose, watch your manners. That should be the lesson. <laughs> Wait, but, no, Malcolm, I was, you know, I, I think, you know, I've been critical of hand sanitizers because, the, right. you know, because uh, you, you remember the newsreels of these kind of grim looking men and they're spraying football stadium state, uh, you know, seats in a football stadium. And there's even one where he's spraying the sidewalk as if SARS-CoV-2 is going to come out of the sidewalk. But I would say this, you know, every so often there's an uncontrolled sneeze and somebody sneezes in their hand. Go wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer. I said, anytime people who reach for a, a um, Kleenex and you, as soon as your hands on a Kleenex, you got to be on it. And this is very important. 85% of all the spread of these viruses happens in the home. Mm. It happens in the home, not at work. So everybody's on their best behavior at work in the office or the shopping mall. Mm. When they get home, it's where they get sloppy. And, uh, you, you know, what, uh, what What I've tried to do yeah. is, you know, get that hand sanitizer out. And as soon as you start handling um, 
Kleenexes and things like that, you want to be on it because there can be some transference. And I want to ask Dr. Bowden about this. Hold on, do that after the break. We got to take a pause right okay. now. We've gone way over here. Uh, friends, uh, again, let's uh, again, two hour summit, nasal hygiene summit. Got some very interesting things coming on the back half of the show here as well. Uh, stay right there. We'll rejoin you in just a moment. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. 
Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. We join you back here, friends. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Peter McCullough on uh, America Out Loud Pulse. And this is something unique, something different. Haven't done it before. We've talked a lot about nasal hygiene over the last few years. Uh, but this is the first time we wanted to do something really focused on nasal hygiene. And we have uh, uh, we got a real treat coming up later in the program. Nathan Jones will be here, Dan Nichols. We got experts coming in from uh, the various nasal hygiene companies to talk about these products and talk about what's really going on. So we can all learn something about it. But up front in the broadcast here, we have Dr. Mary Bowden is here and uh, just privileged and delighted to have her join uh, Dr. McCullough and I. And uh, Dr. McCullough, you are ready to ask her something profound before the pause. Let's go there. Just a quick question. Dr. Bowden, when you're at home and if you have enough bedrooms, when people are sick, it's important to sleep in separate bedrooms? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And do you do that in your house if someone gets sick? If, let's say, you, you were sick and your husband sick, would you sleep in different bedrooms? Um, I mean, prior to COVID, no. <laughs> but yes, post-COVID, yes, definitely. Mm, yeah, uh, right, I mean, right. if it's, you know, I think prior to COVID, we... Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't think we we're going to die if we got a cold, right? Amen. Amen. Now it's it's a little bit different. It was a totally different animal. Totally different animal. But, I mean, but, you, but don't you also think? Okay, let's say we're we know we're not going to die. It was a cold. Don't you think things have changed? I mean, isn't it unacceptable to go out with coughing and sneezing and showing up to work? I I just think the consequences of getting a cold right now are so much bigger than they used to right. be. Right. And, you know, I think it does. It's interesting because the whole absentees from school, you know, during COVID, it was perfectly acceptable to miss a lot of school because, you know, of, of minor, seemingly minor elements. And now we've shifted back to the old ways where, you know, you can't miss more, more than one or two days, even though your kid is clearly still contagious, still coughing and hacking. The, the school gives you a hard time now again, but you know, for a while it was very common sense about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. If you're good with this doctor, let's jump into some listener questions. Are you up for that? Sure. All right. We got some from, uh, from some listeners here and, uh, and, and Dr. Bottom would love to get your insight on some of these things. This one's from Sheila. Uh, it says, uh, thanks, uh, Dr. McCullough and Malcolm. Love to listen to you, too. I had Delta back in 2021 and really been sick since. But I tend to get a cold every April. Just curious a way to get this out of the chest and what to do if one missed the early treatment protocol. Uh, oh, a side note, ivermectin made my vision weird while it's in my system. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Have you, Dr. McCullough, with ivermectin? Yeah, it can. Uh, You know, we can't give direct medical advice on the show, but uh, you know, ivermectin—you rarely can have some very benign. I never knew that. Never knew neurologic uh, effects, but 
Yeah, I would say to something like this with people who are just can't seem to to beat it. Um, I can tell you what I do is I get a chest X-ray. Every so often, there'll be some type of complication. Uh, we do know with severe cases, uh, what can happen is what's called an organizing sterile pneumonia. We used to call it bronchiolitis obliterans. And uh, there, if I identify that, then I have a different uh, treatment approach. Dr. Bowden, what do you do when someone just can't, see, can't seem to, to shake it, has persistent respiratory symptoms? Well, I mean, I start with a very thorough physical exam. I, I feel like I can just based on what I see inside the nose and by listening to their chest really well, I can get a, a much better sense of what's going on. Um, so it's kind of hard just on that limited information to to surmise what's going on. Um, the other thing that we do often is uh, we, and this is sort of how I got into COVID to begin with, is working with this lab that does PCR testing for bacterial and fungal infections of the sinuses and people that have just lingering symptoms where it's not explained by allergies. Um, doing that test can uncover, you know, bacterial or fungal infections. And, it, and the nice thing is it tells you exactly, it, it's like a culture, but it's, a, it's more sensitive and it gives you exactly which antibiotics will treat it if there is an infection. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Bowden, this uh, listener, Sheila, uh, goes on to say this. I'd like you to answer this part of it. She says, "I this is interesting. She says, I know the preventive protocol with a nasal spray and mouthwash. I got lazy about it. And am currently sick. Now, I, I say I, that's interesting, uh, Peter, because uh, we've talked about this being a routine. And then sometimes we rest on our laurels and we kind of get comfortable and we don't do certain things, whether it's whatever, whether it's nasal hygiene, whether it's taking vitamins, we're taking healthy cell, whatever it is, whatever it is, you've got you've got to stay at it. You've got to stay at it. She says, uh, I got lazy about it and I'm currently really sick. I didn't really realize how sick I was getting until about day four or five and then started back. The nasal spray was just forgetful. Again, that's what happens. So now I pay for it with this virus, whatever it may be. It's in the chest. She says, what is best to do once you miss the early treatment? So she's talking about, Dr. Bond, I'd like you to speak about that nasal hygiene, how often you should do it, how frequent you should do it, when you miss it, how bad or how good. I mean, what's the what's the proper protocol here, please? Well, it's never too late, and it has been shown to shorten the duration of sinus infections. So, you know, I would say get back on it. And in terms of, you know, if it were COVID and you missed that early treatment, um, a lot of time, and, you know, it's hard, again, not knowing what's going on specifically with her or seeing her, but, um, you know, you rule out a secondary infection, you do a, a I mean, I think a, a physical exam is essential. I can, I, by listening to somebody's lungs, I mean, I can tell so much. Um, and depending on that would really dictate what kind of treatment but i will say the second week of covid i tended to use more steroids and um, antibiotics um if 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 needed there's there's some really interesting ones here i want to get this one from ron listening to previous q a's it appears that omicron can still be contracted even after recovering from c19 my lady and i both had covid in september of 21 i'm 81 and she's 77 uh, we both had uh, used HCQ as a prophylactic and HCQ protocol during our illness. 
Both of us are doing well, and uh, with me having some slight long COVID symptoms, we had a bunch of ACQ tablets and wondering if repeating the prophylaxis, 1,000 milligrams the first week and 200, 400 a week afterwards would give us an additional protection against Omicron. I guess that's to you, Dr. McCullough. And then she says, we're also using nasal iodine, the nasal iodine in clear and wants to know what you think about that. And I'd, I'd like Dr. Bowden to speak about the clear uh, as well, the, the xylitol, if you will, and the povidiodine. Uh, what do you say to that, Dr. McCullough? My current recommendations, this comes up in practice all the time, is I am not routinely recommending either ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for prophylaxis in people who have already had COVID. Now, the published studies suggest if someone's already had COVID one time, they have about a 60% protection against ever having it a second time. It's, it's, it's basically like a 60% effective vaccine. Now, if one does get COVID a second time, uh, every single study shows it's characteristically much milder. Uh, there's a paper by uh, Chen and colleagues from prison system, 17,000 uh, staff, and I think 59,000 prisoners who are really highly motivated to go to the hospital, by the way, if they if they could. When, when they got COVID a second time, if they've already had uh, Delta or Omicron, there was zero risk of hospitalization and death. It's it's really wow. a minimal. So it's not, in my view, it's not worth it to take the medicines. Now I tell people, listen, if you have ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you know, save your ammo because if you do get sick, we'll go through. You know, we will use it uh, in order to treat the illness. Uh, unless I had some special circumstance, um, I saw a really complex transplant patient today who I'm a bit worried about. Um, I can think of some other scenarios. I'm sure Dr. Bowden has patients with severe lung disease, patients tracheostomies. I'd like to hear about these really high-risk people because there are some patients who are, are have such bad problems at baseline, Malcolm, that if they got any type of infection, the consequences for you know hospitalization or some complication would be higher. Dr. Bowden, what do you say about uh, oral drug prophylaxis right now? Um, you know, I I don't have that many people who are demanding it, and so I mean, there's some. My general guidelines are: if you've if you have had COVID, you should be safe for at least six months. I've never seen anybody get it more often than that this from Teresa. This is a question that comes in a bit, but I'm curious what you say. What is the ratio of hydrogen peroxide uh, uh, in, in distilled water to use as a nasal spray and, gar and gargle, which uh, is looking to see what the combination is, or the povidone iodine as well in the distilled water? What Do you have a recipe you use yourself, what you recommend? Malcolm, I would say that, you know, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has probably the best guide out there and for hydrogen peroxide, it's just going to be more than the povidone iodine. You probably can go 10 drops in a one-ounce bottle, of a small one-ounce spray bottle. Uh, it'd be three-quarters of a teaspoon and 1.5 ounces. Uh, that, that's reasonable, and, and, and you can go from there. I, again, don't worry about it. If it's too strong, it stings. That's just, now, is it a problem if it's too strong and it stings? No, is, that, is that a no, problem? Yeah, because you don't want to irritate the nasal because It should not be uncomfortable. That is a golden rule. If it stings... You're making it too strong. Just dilute it with some more water. Okay. All right. And um, and what do you think about um, 
you know, are people, I'm wondering, are, we talk about the, the recipe here to make it up, which has always been a confusing point to a lot of folks. Um, but is that something, I'm just curious, I really, are people still doing that when you can buy some of the nasal hygiene? I mean, it's a serious question. When the nasal hygiene products are so readily available and effective, why, I, I really don't understand. Why would you make it up? That's what I'm asking. You know, you know, I think you're right. I think it, it, it may be cost, convenience. Um, oh. uh, I think a lot of people, honestly, they tell me, Doc, just, uh, you know, don't confuse me. Just tell me what to buy. And, uh, you know, in our next segment, we're going to go through the, the commercial products, which I think will be a really useful segment because people want to know what to buy. Um, there are, you know, do-it-yourselfers out there. Some people like to be do-it-yourselfers. Um, you know, I could tell you most people in my family, my wife's side, they just say, listen, hand me something. I want it. I don't want to be, you know, m mixing things up. Right. No, no. Yeah, I, I know I don't for sure. I just I definitely want the bottle because I don't want that. Uh, uh, I don't I don't want to worry about the concoction or the ingredients of too much of one thing or not enough of another. And I did find that a very confusing point with folks for sure. Um, uh, absolutely. So, all right, let me, uh, do this here. So what we're going to do is let me, let me set up first of all, the next uh, part of the program as Dr. McCullough was just saying. So we're going to have, uh, and we did a program with him last year and it was tremendous. It was so well received and so well heard. And, uh, Nathan Jones, um, uh, from clear, he will be on with us. Uh, Nathan Jones will, and, uh, look forward to, um, uh, his contributions again today. We haven't talked to him on here since that point, but that was a big show. And and the other one is Cofix RX. Uh, Dan Nichols will be here as well, and they're going to give us insight. I mean, these guys are around us all the time. It's what they do for a living. So they'll give us some more insight into the various products and how they are effective and maybe, you know, some of the questions you have of how you should use them or not. So we'll do that in the next hour, friends, uh, in this National Hygiene Summit. Uh, and again, and by the way, that original post that Dr. McCullough did on his uh, table, his counter, uh, which to me is priceless, is still under COVID resources on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Uh, you can go and get it there. I think it's a piece. It's sort of like, uh, Peter, when you walk into an old museum and you see a relic there, that post is going to be that relic. You know that, don't you? Yeah, it is. It's funny. <laughs> Isn't it the simplest things? I was so frustrated. I simply got out the bottle and I showed different things. You know, the mistake of that that figure is it has a syringe bulb. Some people said, listen, I can't find the spray bottle. I said, just get, just get a, a, a syringe bulb and squirt a little bit up there. My wife ended up using that. And of course, it's a huge yeah. volume. And she seemed like she squirted it up to the, you know, went to Timbuktu and she got like a headache and she goes, I'll never do this again. I said, oh my gosh, I, I wish I never would have showed that uh, that blue syringe bulb. <laughs> yeah, no, but but you remember at that time though, I just think in all fairness, things were very serious and people were very serious and they were serious about the 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 combination of the ingredients of too much of one thing, not enough of the other. And at that point, we didn't really we weren't up on all this nasal hygiene. We didn't have it out there as readily available or knowledgeable as we have it now. So, anyways, it was a big deal back then. But I I applaud Dr. McCullough to literally I mean, talking about taking matters into your own hands to go back to your house and put it all out on the counter and take photographs. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then make that and say, here's the post, Malcolm. Let's bring this live. And we did it. Right. Right. We did it. Right. And uh, it's it's still uh, there. And in fact, um, uh, we, we have uh, yeah, we have an area called COVID resources. 
And it's the best. In fact, the McCullough Protocol is there as well. The McCullough Protocol against sorry. Someone just sent in the other day, wanted to know about that protocol. It comes in all the time. Uh, by the way, early treatment suppression, Nate Jones, that show is there as well. That's all under COVID resources, some other cool stuff. And there it is right there. I see the photograph right now. Dilute the povidine iodine nasal oral washes for the prevention of treatment of COVID-19. So you can do that, friends, or you can join us in the next hour and we'll talk to the gentlemen who've done this for a living who put the products out there to all of us to to use in our health and life. And we'll do that in the next hour here on America Out Loud Pulse. We'll join you just on the other side here. Remember, we're always a beat ahead. Okay, welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, this is the second hour now, friends, of the uh, two-hour summit here on uh, nasal hygiene. And uh, really rounding the corners here, uh, we had Dr. Mary Bowden on uh, earlier in the ENT and uh, got a perspective from her. Let's bring on the program here. Dan Nichols joins us here. Dan is a has got a background in health and nutrition. He's been with Cofix. RX since the launch in May 2021. And uh, Dan, welcome to the broadcast here. I'm honored, truly, guys, to be on here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Malcolm. All right, my pleasure. We've been in the mix of Cofix uh, from the early start of this thing. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Dr. McCullough and I, if we had a dollar for every time we squirted Cofix in our noses, we, 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 we'd have a second job, uh, Peter, you think? Uh, right? <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> We've been using it right along, and I know listeners have as well. But let's get into some of the points here of the povidone iodine and the benefits of this. Dan, let's start and tell us uh, what the makeup, uh, what's in Cofix RX, because traditionally, early on in the COVID, people were making the stuff up themselves, the ingredients and all of this, and trying to get the recipe right. And we were telling folks that early on. and. Dr. McCullough actually did an amazing post we put out there back in the thrust of, of COVID. And now it's so easy because you can just go get the bottle and you don't have to miss all that, mix all that concoction up. Tell us what's in it and how the origins of this, how it started. Sure. So uh, one of the uh, local medical directors at a hospital uh, was concerned about his daughter in New York City. He was worried about her. She was a doctor right in the, the center of all the craziness. Uh, as an ER doctor, and he had recalled from medical school that he had done some studying on povidone iodine intranasally, uh, you know, swabbing it inside the nose and watching staph infections fall to zero. Um, he's an anesthesiologist by trade. Long and short of it is he kept plowing through and working on the concoction, the recipe, the formula. And now, was uh, this during COVID or before COVID? Uh, this was right in the early stages of it. So I, I don't know if you guys are like me. I tend to start to forget. So we're like, what, 2020, early 2020. He sees it coming around the bend and uh, he starts to go to work on it because, you know, it's gonna, he knows it's going to just blow up like crazy here in the USA. And um, and so that's what happened. And he got together with my CEO, uh, who's been a lifelong entrepreneur um, and a compounding pharmacist locally here in Michigan. And they went to work on a formula that was really nice and easily palatable for the nose. It made sense. They also, uh, they their their big thing wasn't as much about a cleanse. Uh, I mean, we're definitely had these cleansing effects, but they also were hoping that they could get it to sustain for, you know, have lasting cleansing effects. So that was kind of an important feature of our product. Um, also, we have vitamin D3 because uh, Dr. David Brownstein, another Michigan guy, Dr. Peter uh, McCullough, you might have heard of him. Um, he... Uh, 
you know, he he's a big fan. He said during the pandemic, it did more to expose D3 and iodine deficiencies than it did just about anything. He said he just sees that deficiency across the board. Um, so anyway, we've got vitamin D3 in there as well to help boost people's D3 levels. And we also use xylitol, which is a sugar decoy, kind of plays games with the virus and uh, fools it. And um, as uh, Dr. McCullough knows better than any of us, um, iodine is very effective against all sorts of uh, uh, invasions, uh, viral invaders. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about it right up front in the broadcast for some of the studies that were done back in early 2020 with the benefits of povidone iodine. I mean, they killed the SARS-CoV-2. It's documented. It's clearly documented historically. So uh, that combination, Dr. McCullough, in the cofix, and I, I did not, it did not, um, I did not retain the fact that D3 was in there. And I find that really remarkably fascinating. I knew the xylitol was. I wasn't sure about the D3, but isn't that ironic? Because early on in the broadcast, I said to Dr. Bond and told listeners that, what did I say when we opened up the broadcast? If back in early 2020, if we gave, if every American had a bottle of nasal hygiene and vitamin D3, we would have saved countless lives. You agree with that statement? Yes, I do. Uh, And I can tell you, just like the data I reviewed uh, uh, in the prior segment, you know, the data suggests starting early, uh, reduces mortality, that we just stop some people going down this progression where they become progressively more ill and it, it gets out of control. Using upfront nasal and oral hygiene prevents it from getting out of control. And it's 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 so critical. And it makes a lot of sense that the companies like Cofex would start to actually, you know, in a sense, supercharge it with um, a variety of, of agents that, you, you know, w- would make a difference. So for instance, every study done so far with vitamin D, every study shows yeah. a beneficial effect, yeah. every study. So far with povidone iodide, every study shows a beneficial effect. Yeah. And yeah. so you can you see how this goes. We're going to learn a lot more about xylitol as well. Yeah. But, you know, why not? have multiple different dimensions to a product and you know when they're out in the marketplace and people want to pick up one uh you know one spray and use it so i think it's terrific yeah doctor oh sorry guys you know another thing interesting about the uh about the uh, other ingredient the mucosal adhesive what we use to actually you know be a little stickier add that component to it is that the carrageenan has now become Yeah. yeah the carrageenan has now become part of a protocol on the flccc website for rsv and flu and that's kind of a that's only kind of recent exposure for me to see that, and I thought that was fascinating. And it's just a, it's great that we've got. Well, all what these are they things. saying about it when you say that on the FLCC? What are they saying about the kerosene? Uh, now, Doctor McCullough, are you aware of that specifically? What I'm talking about? Yeah, well, uh, not about the FLCC website. It's funny. I just was out to dinner last night with some of the the key uh, people who got FLCC started. There've been a very successful network of doctors and other care providers. But you know, the idea that this is not COVID specific, this has widely ranged against RSV, influenza, uh, other forms of respiratory pathogens, because we're going to hear a lot more about RSV, Malcolm. You know, one of the companies just announced an RSV vaccine for adults. And you, you know, the other, you know, the other side of this would be here, just take a vaccine. But the vaccine's not going to um, help once somebody already has our, you know, RSV infection. Yeah. And Malcolm, I didn't mean to um, to just kind of turn on that one. But to, to that point, 
on the FLCCC website, one of the protocols, and I, I don't want to misspeak, but um, I know it's there. I saw it. And it said povidone iodine with carrageenan is, should be used for um, RSV and flu and the flu. It was just like a protocol that's actually on their on their website. Right, right. Uh, Dan, how are you recommending the use of like a product like a Covix with all those ingredients? How much is too much to use it? Because I heard Dr. Bowden say early on, there are certain things like with the povidone iodine uh, that she said you could use every four hours. And I think I remember you all saying every eight hours. And is there a difference? I mean, every four, every eight, it depends how sick you are or not. Can you clear some of that up for me? Yeah, you know, I would I would definitely refer to uh, the doctor on that one, but I but but I will tell you this um, as it relates to that is that the studies that all, all the, the this formula was put together based on clinical evidence as science um, that the doctor and our initial doctor that did the formulation that he was comfortable with based on science and included in that um, in, included in that formula was of course the D three, but also that from a half a percent to two point five percent, and this is on the um, NIH.gov website. This yep. study, and I believe it was done in India, uh, and also the JAMA, the Journal of American Medicine, they also have a study on theirs as well. But it showed that a half a percent to two point five percent used three times a day intranasally um, showed no contraindications or any problems. Now I will tell you that. We've sold hundreds of thousands of bottles and we have not had any issues to date, which for me is that kind of safe, proven and effective pieces that that has our pharmacists and doctors smile when they see what the ingredients are, because they're just comfortable with this stuff. They're comfortable right. with what's in it. Right. So you're not going to hurt yourself uh, with what you're saying is with, with the use of it. Um, is there too much? And I don't know the answer to this, but I, I think I remember somebody saying, Dr. McCullough, um, recently that... Uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm wondering, can you overuse the povidone iodine? The, do you know if that's accurate or does anybody know? The, uh, the only caveat I would say, if there's nasal irritation, if people start to feel like they've overdone, I've had a couple uh, patients just absolutely go nuts on this and they end up having, you know, dr dry mucosa and, and some bleeding and they're just going too hard on it. The attractive uh, uh, part about Cofix, because uh, I believe it's the only product that has cartagena and it has this adherent is, is that it, I do have the impression that it's longer acting than a homemade uh, nasal spray, Malcolm, that, you know, it's going to basically right, have right. some lasting power up in the nose. I think it's really well positioned for being a, a preventive, you know, some patients are, are at risk and, and they're going to get on an airplane and it's so easy it's portable the, the mm. cofix uh, bottle doesn't leak yeah. it's re really good for travel say so listen you know do a couple puffs before you get on the plane sniff it back it's going to be up there you know yeah. protecting the, the the patient to some degree from getting a waft of virus that's a great point you make with the carrageenan with the uh, the point uh, i hadn't thought of that but the fact that it's uh hanging in there longer than uh and it stands to reason that the home that's the whole idea of the carrageenan as it sticks to the hairs in your nose in that area there basically uh, so it has traction and so you, that's what dr mccullough speaking about you get, get a longer uh play with that um, Dan, when you, uh, here's what I'm wondering now. Now, when I've used the nasal hygiene and I use it, the products and stuff, 
I don't really know if like it's like, uh, all right, let, let me put it this way. Let's talk about nasal hygiene etiquette. <laughs> so nasal, <laughs> nasal, exactly. Nasal hygiene etiquette. I'm in there doing it. My wife's <laughs> looking at me like I feel like if stuff's kind of my nose and it's like it's snot and stuff. I feel like a bit of a pig, you know, so I don't know that I do that exactly. But are you supposed to this stuff supposed to come back out of you or it's supposed to not come back out of you? Or what's the proper uh, way you're supposed to use that, Dan? <laughs> Yeah, you know, for me, you know, to uh, Dr. McCullough's point about hopping on a plane, um, if I'm hopping on a plane and I do that quite a bit, uh, travel and go to shows and things, I definitely use it until I feel it run down the back of my throat. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll tell you, our stuff tends to be a little stickier for a reason. Um, so you're not going to tend to have that as much as you would with a thinner rinse or say a saline spray or something to that effect. Um, ours is going to tend to hang out, uh, you know, a little longer and that's just, that's by So design. you don't spit it out or you do, you didn't answer I, me. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't spit it okay. out. I have All no right. issue with it because the oral All pharynx right. is the other part and that's All what right. it's driving into the oral pharynx right. and to protect right. that's not a bad. Well, I don't either. spit it out either. And I thought I was doing it wrong because Peter, I thought you told me some months ago and I could be wrong, forgive me, but do you, you spit it out? don't you well listen when you're using the homemade sprays <laughs> uh they're more just water-based yeah it goes all the way around and you, you know it hits a soft palate you you feel like you have to spit it out with the uh with the prepared products they're so well tolerated you know they're just i think they're better balanced it's similar to like a cough job if you if you use cofix and you sniff it back and it kind of gets to the back and you you just literally feel it in the back of your throat you know how you almost have that dry swallow, it would be the same as having a cough drop. And so I agree, Dan, you want to keep it back there because the virus is also in the back. There's the soft palate and then the, you know, just the back of the base of the tongue. So you probably want that little taste back there. And it's, it's not a bad taste at all. And you know, it's working. All right. Dan, how often should one, we talk about the four to eight and all of that, but let's talk about prophylactically versus sick. It, it, help us out, understand, please. Uh, talking about product use, what what is the measurement of use here for people? I know a lot of people ask that. Um, are you are they using it prophylactically? Or are you not? What what do you recommend, please? What's the manufacturer? Yeah, yeah, right. So as a manufacturer, we don't recommend that at all per se. You know what I'm saying? We we don't, but we do know numerous doctors that recommend it, uh, both prophylactically and therapeutically. But but as far as us as a company. Um, you know, we've got to be careful about what we do and don't say and recommend people talk to their physicians. An educated physician about it would be super. Right. Right. Um, somebody that knows and understands that stuff. But we do know that there are doctors that refer it prophylactically and therapeutically. The FLCCC discusses um, povidone iodine, uh, the, you know, being used in that manner okay. as well. Yep. Okay. Let me let me tell people now, and this is important with what Dan says there. You see, the FDA is coming down on a lot of these companies is what's happened is they, they've made life miserable for a lot of people, sadly. And this has been going on for several years now throughout COVID. And uh, it's constant. It's lawsuits. It's problems. It's everything. And they're always calling you out. And so Dan walks a tight rope there to say, well, you know, I can't really say, but, you know, surely the doctor can. So, Dr. Peter McCullough, we put it on you then. What do you say to that? Right. So it's important to know that the companies uh, who come on are helping us scientifically and they're helping us Amen. with what we call, you know, product support, but they are not making any regulatory claims. They're not making any claims about uh, disease prevention or treatment of disease. They're not doing that. I think it's very important. No claims are being made. Now, it, it practically as a doctor, you know, what do I advise uh, patients or my family? 
you know, I, I advise based on my clinical judgment that these products can be used preventively roughly twice a day. Uh, let's take the day you're traveling on an airplane be before you get on and you get to the hotel and do it again. Um, I think for active treatment, uh, some of these commercial products, one can actually use them three times a day based on clinical judgment, even four times a day. That would be every six hours. But, you know, again, that's my, based on my um, my practice experience and knowing the patient, I've examined them. Uh, or, you know, I know they don't have problems like, you know, uh, nasal polyps or herpes ulcers in the nose or something along those lines. But in, in general, comfort dictates safety. If patients are using the products and they're comfortable in the nose and the back of the throat, then we know it's safe. If there's pain or discomfort, something's wrong and they should talk to their doctor. Hey, yeah, thank on you. That's cool. And on, and on that, guys, we've got a throat spray coming out shortly as well, because again, we're oh. looking at some of the protocol in the FLCCC, and that included a gargle and a um, and a nasal spray. And to kind of complete that, we, we've we come out, we've got a uh, coming soon, a, a throat spray. What does spray. that do, Dan? What, what is that all about? It's, it's a very, the, the product is very similar. Um, it's got a lemon flavoring and you spray it into your throat because the viruses tend to incubate. And please, Dr. McCullough, correct me if I don't have this right, but I sure hope I do. Uh, viruses tend to incubate in our nasopharynx and also in our oropharynx. So either, in the, you know, back behind our nose and the sinus passages or back in the, you know, the, the recess of our throat. And um, so to kind of round out that protocol, we thought it would be a good idea to come out with uh, with the spray as well. Um, so that's, you know, we have- the And you spray spray. it down your throat like that? You yeah, you just, you spray it in your mouth, almost like you might a uh, breath freshener. Because if you reduce the viral load, if you can, the, right. the iodine has been known to reduce viral loads. Right. Uh, hello, right? And um, you spray that into your mouth and you reduce wow. that, you know, you reduce the chance of transmission. I mean, you can use, you know, other products as well, like a scope or something like that. But right. um, the iodine is uniquely situated as a supported Agreement, uh, you know, ingredient to really do a nice job uh, dealing with uh, it's hostile towards viruses. Wow. Peter, what do you yeah. think of that? That's pretty interesting. I think it's terrific. You know, that's another issue. Talking, You were talking about nasal spray etiquette. Another etiquette is gargling. Uh, uh, you know, you've heard all different types of gargles out there, Malcolm. Uh, and, you know, you're in public places and what are you going to do? If you had something like, you remember the old Banaka blast, the old uh, uh, spray? Yeah. If you had something like that, that could really accomplish the same goal, that would be terrific. Now, for practical advice, uh, regular Listerine, regular scope are fine. Uh, they can be supercharged with uh, povidone iodine or with um, peroxide. Uh, we'll hear about some other uh, gargle products as well, I'm sure, uh, as we bring in other guests. But the the, the oral pharynx matters. And remember, COVID's on the way down. You know what we're facing now is just a common cold. Most people with a common cold, Malcolm, they lead with a sore throat first, right. then the nasal congestion. So, right. so, so, the, so the sore throat is telling you the virus is on attack in the throat. There's a ring of lymphoid tissue back there called Peyer's patches, and that's what people are feeling. And we want to start gargling quick. You never want to get a sore throat and let it last for three days. As soon as you start to get a sore throat, you've got to start gargling. So you're saying that that situation with this spray that they're talking about might be a benefit to that, Peter, right? Well, sure. You just can't gargle, you know, when you're at work and, you know, trying to get through your day in the airport. It's just impossible. But a spray would be so practical and feasible and you could, you know, do it, you know, you have multiple administrations. It'd be great. Wow. Very cool. Dan, when's that coming out, by the way? I'm just curious. 
I believe that uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, this uh, logistics are always fun with some of this stuff, um, but it's certainly within within thirty day, thirty to forty five days. That it'll be out. Okay. Yeah. Inter- yep. Very interesting. Uh, look forward to that. And guys, um, another thing, I, I, I didn't mention yeah. this, but the, around the carrageenan in Europe, they sell a product that's uh, betadine with caragulose. What? And all, yeah, it's and it's basically, it's all about the carrageenan. Yeah, they don't, I mean, so it's interesting how there's, the, the carrageenan's got some play and it was demonized for a while, but um, there's multiple different levels of carrageenan. But what is that, what would something like that do? I mean, that's only to get it to adhere to a substance. What's the point of that? I don't well, understand. Well, Dr. McCullough might have more info on it, but uh, I talked to a chemist one day and uh, she used the word, it's a sugar decoy. And I thought that was the most fascinating couple of words I've ever heard in my life. I thought a sugar decoy. And basically what it's doing is fooling the viruses and the viruses attached to this as opposed to the lining of your mucosa. Um, And I think I'm on the right track, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, If you can envision inside the nose, if you were to get up close and personal, every cell has hair. It has hair inside there, Malcolm. There's hair follicles Mm -hmm. and hair on the cells. They're called cilia. And the cilia are always waving and there is a a mucus carpet. The virus is landing there. The viruses and bacteria, they love the sinuses because they're warm and they're moist and stuff grows in there. You know, viruses don't grow on the outside of your skin because it's dry. They don't grow in your hair because it's dry. They like to, that's the only place they can kind of latch in there and get moist. So what they do is they're trying to, you know, crawl down the the uh, the hair the hairy part of the the cilia, the part of the the cell, and get down to the cell and start to penetrate the cell. So if you use uh, you know various products like sugar decoys, other types of molecules, uh, it, it basically the, the the viruses and bacteria don't get anywhere. They get distracted. They they start to latch on to other things, and they simply don't invade. And, and, so, the, and the xylitol performs a similar function, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're preventing the invasion, which is important. You know, we have bacteria and viruses in our nose all the time, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. We, they just don't invade our body. Right. So in a way that some of these products are leveraging that, that mm-hmm. principle. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ask you this. And Dan, I don't know if you can answer this. And if not, potentially Dr. McCullough might uh, also, but this is from a listener. Uh, Laverne, and I, I've been. This has been on my mind, so I got to share it with you. She said, "I I have performed saline nasal cleanses daily ever since uh, an allergist introduced me to them. An allergist introduced me to them in 1997. When I heard you talking about Covix, I tried it. When I received the product, there was a warning with a list of conditions of which you should consult a doctor before using. One of these was diabetes. Since I'm a diabetic, I've not used the product since I've not had an opportunity to talk to the doctor. What is the potential risk?" Two, of using Cofix uh, for a diabetic, so I know what to talk to my doctor about. Dan, you have some thoughts on that at all, or I, I don't know? I would refer that to the legal department and or a, uh, a doctor that might have some insight on that. Hmm. Any thoughts, yeah. Dr. McCullough, on the diabetic part of this? I'm not familiar with I it. I would say, you know, I'd say the risk of di- the, 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 how diabetes plays into risk in the nasopharynx is with a secondary infection called mucor. This is very important, mucor. And it's actually a form of a fungal infection, which it's like a black mold that can grow in the nose and actually can penetrate out through the sinuses. And it can happen in diabetics and and they can get behind on this type of infection. I was usually in very debilitated, severe diabetes. So it's perfectly fine to use these products because we're using them against viruses and bacteria 
But I'd want a diabetic to know that, listen, if they had persistent nasal congestion, they had fever, redness, they saw any black uh, stuff coming out of their nose, they need to see a doctor. They need to see an ENT doctor. We had one on last hour, Mary Tally Bowden in Houston. They need to see a doctor pretty quickly. And uh, and the doctor needs to look up in the nose and see if mucor is developing. If that's the case, they need some very specific antifungal agents. Okay. All right, Dan, let's in our moments left here and our time here, let, let's talk about uh, with the uh, with the with the um, the, the product here, uh, Cofix RX. Uh, you, you've had the company has had a bit of a uh, well, I would call it a meteoric rise here uh, throughout COVID at all and trying to help people through this uh, nasal uh, hygiene uh, deal that has become so prominent in the fight against these viruses, RSV, colds, influenza. And even today, I mean, just a common flu and influenza and RSV is a pain in the you-know-what. So clearly this has a benefit way beyond SARS-CoV-2. Um, wh- what do you see with the use of the nasal hygiene? What is the best advice for folks that you give when they're looking at this sort of thing? And there are a lot of things we can do or not do. We make decisions every day. We all do to benefit ourselves healthy. Um, what, what are the what are the guidelines the company suggests when, when people are buying this and using it here? Uh, do, you, do you put out like a one, two, three, four? What should people look out for? Should they, any advice you can give to people when they're using Cofix Rx, anything at all that, that would benefit people, please? Well, I think Dr. McCullough's commentary around like, you know, depending on how you're feeling, like if you start, if, you know, from a, from the a, a, the bad side, if you will, if something started to become a problem, you need to consult with a doctor and figure out what's going on. Um uh, you know, or jump on it right then and get the cold fix it in your nose is what I do. Yeah, uh, well, my wife. Yeah, right, right. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were actually referring to the fact that in using the product, you know, what would be something you'd want people to look out for or pay attention to? You know, I'm like that myself. The second I notice anything, exactly. even before, even before yeah. Cofix, if I notice a little scratch, this is before all these products came to the market. Right. I was gargling with salt water. I was using my neti pot. I've been doing that for over a decade. Yeah. Uh, oh, big, really? Before COVID, you did it, right? Oh, yeah, long before, yeah. long yeah. before, because yeah. it just made sense. It made well, you know, I, I double up on everything, Dan. I'll be truthful. I'm a germ fanatic, as as Peter always points out. And <laughs> like, and I start doubling up on everything. I'll take like uh, multiple immune super boost from Healthy Cell. I'll take instead of 5,000 IUs of D3, I'll take 10,000. I'll just take uh, everything I can in the kitchen sink. Uh, co-fix it, stick it, uh, blow it out there. I am as aggressive as I can be to knock that thing on its ass. You know what I mean? Well, you know, Malcolm, I, I think that one of the reasons you're like that, this is a guess because maybe wow. you're preaching to the choir, is you're one of the most high energy guys I know. And there's nothing worse than even a, a fate worse than death for you is to not have that energy and to be sick in bed. And um, and so you do everything you can to try to make sure that doesn't happen. And I'm like that, too. I'm OCD, a little yeah. compulsive about yeah. that stuff. I get yeah. very I'm fanatical about germs, too. Yeah. Um, I've had to kind of relax on it, to be honest with you, because it would it could be uncomfortable. Your skin starts to bleed. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you, you can get a little over overboard. But I'm the same way you are. If I notice something and you know what? It usually works for me. I rarely get sick. I just don't. I mean, if I feel something coming on, I'm on it right away. I don't either. I haven't been sick in a long. I don't. I don't. And I don't want to say that to boast or anything, because God knows that they'll get even with me. The you know whatever the the sick gods of some sort. But anyways, uh, no, I don't. Uh, but I it's it really is about a healthy lifestyle, friends. It's about taking care of yourself in all different ways, which I've been preaching it for years. Uh, it's the little things we do in life, but they make a difference. 
Um, and for a lot of us and a lot of us guys, you know, guys don't do sick. Well, I find women can deal with sick better. Like I'm like my wife would always say the biggest baby when I'm sick. And she's probably correct. Of course, of course, I don't want to see her sick, but if it's her, or I, well, that's another decision. That's another choice for another day. Right, Peter? <laughs> well, remember again, it's always special circumstances. Remember with D she had impaired respiratory mechanics through the motor vehicle accident. Uh, that preceded this. Everybody is unique and special. The point is the stakes are higher now. No one can walk around sick for two weeks anymore. It's just, it's not tolerable in our society. We all have to get on it quickly. I think we will be a healthier, more productive society by by moving in this direction. The, the pandemic has changed me. I don't actually travel without a nasal spray now, Malcolm. It's in my bag the entire time. I know it is. I know you talk about it on the shows all the time here. Uh, let me tell folks now, uh, Dan Nichols, again, this uh, point of the summit here today is to educate, educate, educate. Uh, that's what it's all about. There are multiple choices out there for you. We don't tell you what to get. That's up to you to decide out there, friends. Let me be very clear on that. There are a lot of things you can do to benefit your life, but you have to make the decision yourself. We can only educate you and give you information and advice. We all have to make the decision ourselves. Um, Cofix RX is available and uh, you can get it in the various stores. You can get it, uh, of course, right at our site uh, at America Out Loud and use the code Out Loud and get your discount there, of course. Uh, the new site you can get all of these products on. Again, no, we're not sharing this with, uh, well, I started to share it, but this is brand new information and uh, it is AmericaOutloud.shop. Uh, it's brand new. That's where you'll go now to get all the incentives. It's not done yet. So don't tell anybody about this, please. It's a secret uh, <laughs> for another week or two. Right, Peter? And then uh, we'll start to tell folks about it. But it is still being made up. And then there you'll get all the different products and the discounts. We'll put you right in to get them. Uh, that's our, our our goal is to help people out, live a more fulfilling life and to have a quality uh, health. Uh, your health is everything. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. I've learned that. We've all learned that. Dan, thanks for joining us here, buddy. Okay. Thank, uh, thank you for having me on, both of you. Thank you. Privilege here, of course. Our friends, we want to take a quick pause, and we'll join you back on the other side of the Nasal Hygiene Summit in just a moment here. Uh, you're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. 
Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative things. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, friends, to America Out Loud Pulse. This is the two-hour nasal hygiene summit. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And this is about as extensive of a conversation as we've had on nasal hygiene, to be sure, and covering all the bases. And we couldn't do it without having Nathan Jones on the line here. Nate is with us. He's the founder and CEO of Clear. And uh, clear, X-L-E-A-R. You always got to spell that after you say it so you know it's clear with an X. And uh, it's, uh, clear is focused on the xylitol is the key of this one. And it's a, it's a nasal hygiene product. Nate, you've been in this a long time. You know this business better than anybody. Uh, last year, uh, Dr. McCullough and I had a great program with you. They had record listens and people just, in fact, we refer to it all the time as a go-to uh to to listen uh so welcome to the broadcast sir well thanks for having me it's always a pleasure all right let's talk about the clear and uh it, you know there's a lot of products people use with nasal hygiene uh uh you know nate when we talk about we looked at a lot of the studies with using povidone iodine using xylitol using even other products baby shampoo they say uh but there's, what makes there's what a bunch makes, of them yeah what makes a good nasal hygiene product and the differences between those please so what makes a good one depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, and, and I use this example all the time. We have a little card that you can actually look at it. But, but sometimes, you know, and, and let's compare it to hand hygiene. Sometimes you come in from out in the garden, you come in from outside, and you just rinse your hands under the faucet. Okay? That's like using a saline irrigation up in your nose, in your upper airway. You're just physically removing. You're physically washing out or away the debris, the, the dirt, whatever it is. When you add soap to it, the soap actually works as a surfactant. It actually breaks up the bond, the bonds between bacteria and dirt and grease and grime and, and everything else. And that's what xylitol does in the nose. There's other things. 
um, I don't know if you've talked about, uh, ah, gosh, now that I'm trying to think of it, I can't remember it. Um, iota carrageenan is a seaweed extract that they've yeah. done studies showing that it also blocks the ability of viruses to adhere to the tissue. Okay. We, we got into this over two decades ago because my dad read some studies showing that xylitol blocked bacterial adhesion in 1998. And he started using it in a nasal spray in babies to block adhesion of the bacteria that were causing ear infections. Yeah. And so that's what, so that's the second layer. And then, you know, people are familiar with hand sanitizers, especially over the last three years where we use them ad nauseum to the point where, you know, I think it was overkill and it was not really being used appropriately, but you can actually use nasal sanitizers and you can use, you know, oral sanitizer. You can use chlorhexidine or high alcohol content mouthwashes in your mouth that, that are trying to kill everything, which in my opinion, those should be used extremely rarely because you're really, you're killing off all of your beneficial to the commensal bacteria and microbes that you need in order to be healthy to, to, to maintain a state of eubiosis as opposed to dysbiosis. Dysbiosis is what you get when you get sick. Eubiosis is when it's all happy, um, you know, living there together. And that's what xylitol does is it allows that to stay in that happy space. Can you overuse it? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, we had people that have used it every half an hour. Um, and no. You every half overuse. hour? Wow. Yeah. And, and no problems, huh? Wow. That's no a, problems. I mean, that's my, kids, my kids have opened up the bottle and drinking it because it tastes sweet. And, you know, they, they get nothing from it other than it's like drinking Kool-Aid to them. So it's purely safe, obviously. There's no effect whatsoever, no uh, adverse effects, huh? No. From it so, whatsoever. Yeah. So, Nate, I wanted to ask you, as Peter McCullough, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, you know, one of the tougher questions we tackled uh, earlier was uh, diabetics and this this uh, fungal infection called mucor, which almost always develops a as a secondary infection after, uh, you know, a serious uh, sinusitis, a bacterial sinusitis or a viral respiratory tract infection. Are you aware of any concerns about nasal sprays and, and mucormycosis in diabetics? Um, I am not aware of that, but I will tell you that we, I was just down in Florida last week discussing this. So, so to go back a, a minute, we started selling a nasal spray, the clear nasal spray in, in 2000, discussing how it works with bacteria. It wasn't until COVID that we actually, you know, shame on us for not having done the research earlier, looked at what it was doing for viruses, because not just the SARS-CoV-2 virus, virus, but we actually found some, there's other viruses that it works also. And, and, I, and we had a doctor, oh, I want to say a month ago, who is treating people. And I don't know if this is the same one, but I will get the data that he sent us and I'll share it with you. Because I'm not sure if that that specific organism is in the data, but they tested it against a large number of, of fungal um, pathogens because he's actually down in uh, western Florida where Hurricane Ian went through. And he's actually using our nasal spray for people that have these fungal infections. Oh, that's so interesting. That is an interesting strategy. You, you know, Malcolm, one of the questions that has come up uh, certainly on the platform with other products has been this ubiquitous exposure to mold 
And, uh, you know, all the air conditioning units across the southern United States now are all 50 years old in so many apartments and buildings. And there, there is a rise in cases of mold intolerances that have a, a variety of manifestations. So interesting to, in a sense, handle that at the point of entry in the nasopharynx. And, and that's and that's a fact, Nate. I mean, that that's a benefit of it. That's what he's doing. And he on his own accord. Wow. He actually went out and paid. And I don't know how much it was, but I know that it was probably tens, if not more of thousands of dollars. And he had it tested at a lab and he sent the studies to me. I don't have them right here in front of me, but they were interesting enough that I flew down to Florida and I met with him and I chatted with him and we agreed to donate 10,000 bottles of clear to the clinic that he's working at. Cause he does a lot of this stuff. He's actually treating and working with people that can't afford the medications. And we offered to donate and he, you know, he took it up obviously, but we're going to donate 10,000 bottles and we're going to collect the data from that because the Petri dish data, the in, in vitro. Yeah. The in vitro data, shows that it would help and work. It's completely safe. There's no harm, no foul. And so he's actually going to use it and get back with us with the data in vivo. Yeah. Well, that's terrific. You know, the, the caveat that I gave at the last segment of the program is that it, it, the sprays are almost certainly uh, antimicrobial against viruses, bacteria, and fungi. It's just in the case of a diabetic, if there was a black um, any type of black secretions, uh, any type of black discoloration of the nose or the skin. My clinical warning is see a doctor ASAP because in a diabetic, mucor can be actually a fatal infection. And it's, and it's treated with very intensive um, antifungals. That's all. It's, with the nasal sprays, uh, you know, are perfectly fine. They're not causing the problem. It's just a, ca a caveat in a diabetic to seek help if they, um, you know, if that complication develops. Yeah. Um, Nate, a, a listener wrote in, uh, one of the questions came in uh, the last day or so on this is um, from David. And uh, he says, when he uses a cofix, he gets a reaction and sneeze and fits for many minutes. He tried clear and doesn't get that reaction. Am I being less safe and killing off possible virus molecules by using clear instead of cofix? He's wondering why somebody would have a reaction to one product versus the other. Can you speak about that? Well, there's there's a lot of things that are in Cofix that I uh, that I mean, it's it's a great product if you're sick. It's not one that I would use on a regular basis because it if I if correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it has iodine in. Iodine, iodine. Yeah. So if you have iodine, you're killing a, a very broad spectrum of of stuff. I don't know what's causing his his sneezing fits. Right. Um, I, I really don't that you'd have to look and figure that out on a, on a per person thing. We, we have some people who use not our clear. I've never had someone that used clear that had a sneezing fit, but we have one that has rescue that has oregano tea tree, eucalyptus and some other things in it. And we've had a couple of people over the 15 years that have called in and said that. And we just say, we don't understand it. Just stop using it. So can you overuse the povidone? I, I need to understand this. Can you, uh, povidone iodine, can you overuse that? Is that a problem, Nate, to your knowledge? Um, and this is just my opinion. If I was sick, I would use a povidone iodine nasal spray. If I was not sick, I wouldn't. And the reason why I'm saying that is because in our nose, mm -hmm. we have a commensal microbiome 
And if we're killing all that off, there, there, I believe that there is going to be long-term uh, negative repercussions for that. If people use a high alcohol content mouthwash or if they use chlorhexidine in a mouthwash right. and they overuse it, right. we're going to have long-term health things. And, and you know, uh, uh, Dr. McCulley, you could probably speak to this, but the bacteria and the, and the organisms that help us digest milk live in our mouth. The ones that help us digest gluten live in our mouth. And if we constantly over time sit there and kill those organisms off, you can expect to have a rise in glucose in 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 lact in, in milk and gluten intolerances, yeah. which is exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, Th this is and important, Peter. This is why I bring this up. Uh, I'm really perplexed with it, actually, because I hear different reports of this and I'm being as sincere as I can be. And I see listen to questions asking all of this. Uh, what do you make of what Nate says there? I mean, I just don't understand it. Uh, that you know, can you well, overuse this stuff? Well, know? remember what we said in the in the prior segments of the program. We talked about um, you know prophylaxis, pre-exposure, post-exposure when we sick. We didn't just talk about doing it every day. Right. And what Nate's bringing up is this idea that there is a microbiome, there is a a you know a flora of bacteria. Uh, and viruses that are in the nose, and they coexist with us. And just like there is in the GI tract, in fact, it's contiguous to the GI tract. And so we don't want to, in a sense, mess with mother nature and use any of these products when there isn't a clear need. And, and I'm a big believer that the body needs a break from all this manipulation. Mm. You know, So I personally don't use nasal sprays every day. Mm. You know, I, I did today because I had an exposure. You know, I will on Friday because I'm going to travel. Um, but, but you know, day by day, it's not every day that I'm using a nasal spray or a gargle. And I think, you know, I, I think that's reasonable advice. Hmm. Uh, it, Nate, you would probably, and I'm just curious again now because people question this, you, you use yours every day, don't you? I use it once in the morning and once at night on a, on a, on a fairly, I don't want to say every day, but on a regular basis. Okay. I mean, uh, as soon as we get done with this this broadcast, I'm actually getting on a plane and I will use it a little bit more often. Yeah, right. Which is what Peter's saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the time to do it. So but so you're doing it as more of a routine, Nate, but not overusing it. And it doesn't have to be every second, but you stay on it. I guess it's just sort of a trial and error. Of what I, I guess what works for one doesn't necessarily work for everybody, does it? Yeah. And I agree with that because, you know, you have in your nose depending mm -hmm. on the person, depending on how much water you drink, depending on your environment, your mucociliary clearance cycle, the time it takes for your snot, your mucus right. to clean out of your nose, that can vary anywhere from a couple of hours to eight hours. And so it's going to depend on the person and the environment, how often I would even tell someone to use it. Okay. All right. When you use the clear product, do you, uh, when you put it in there, do you recommend that it uh, comes back out of the nostril or you, or you spit it out rather, or do you, it does it stay in you? What, what is the rule that you use? Any of the above, any of the above, if you're congested oh. and you spray it up your nose, right. You're going to want to blow your nose okay. because you're, you're going to loosen up a lot of, of gunk and clean it out. Right. If you're not congested, it's just dry outside. You spray it up there sometimes it doesn't come out. You just, it just goes down the back of your throat. Okay. Okay. Which, right. which some people might think is gross, 
but the reality of it is, is we're eating what a cup of snot a day. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, more. Yeah. Oh, come yeah. on, Nate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not picking it out on your finger, then it's okay. <laughs> I don't even want to comment on that stuff, man. Wow, you guys are. <laughs> Turning the program into a horror flick. <laughs> no, you're you're the one who started with this whole uh, the social aspects of uh, of uh, nasal washing. Nate, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, one of our prior guests brought up staph nasal carriage. That uh, particularly in healthcare workers, they have staphylococcal organisms in the nasopharynx. You pick it up in the hospital, actually, and around clinics and places. Uh, do you know? Do any one of the sprays have any advantages or disadvantages for that problem? So there was actually a, a paper that was published out of Australia. And this goes back a number of years where they actually took MRSA and showed that if you expose the, the MRSA bacteria to xylitol, that your regular normal antibiotics worked again. Okay, so MRSA for our listeners is methicillin-resistant staphylococcal aureus. So this is this staph. Okay, so that sounds that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to ask a question about um, chronic sinusitis. So uh, this is the problem where there's just the bacteria. People will say they have sinuses, uh, frequent sinus infections, periodic sinus congestion, headache, sometimes fever. We'll get X-rays or CT scan, and we'll see pockets of the of the sinuses that are really kind of packed with uh, with mucus, and and they're sick. You know, what's the role of nasal sprays there for chronic sinusitis? Well, what you're, what I think you're looking at is actually what's called a biofilm. And, you know, there was a paper written by a Dr. Hoffman in, I want to, I'm trying to remember the name of the magazine. I think it's Compendium maybe, but he actually wrote an article and, and it's on our webpage. If you want to go look at it, clear.com forward slash science. Um, but he actually wrote this article and he pointed out that chronic respiratory issues of almost any kind are almost a hundred percent of the time due to a biofilm. And when you have these, these biofilms, when it's all impacted and you have this growth, as long as the bacteria stay in the biofilm, they're not making you sick. But when you have a biofilm, every now and then you have a chunk of that that falls off and becomes planktonic. And it's the planktonic bacteria or the planktonic pathogens floating around your body that cause you to have these chronic infections. There were some studies done out of the University of Montana or Montana State, I can't remember, but the name of the, of, the, of the research was Mary Cloud Ammons. And we've talked with her quite a bit, but one of the things that she actually showed in this research is that xylitol works extremely well at breaking up these biofilms because you have these bacteria in the biofilms, they need food and they actually, the bacteria sense that the xylitol, the sugar is a food that they can eat. And so it allows it into the biofilm. The bacteria start eating it they start dying off. And as soon as enough of them die off, this whole bacteria, this whole biofilm falls apart. When my dad first started utilizing the xylitol nasal spray in, in kids, almost all of these kids that had chronic issues had this, this cleansing moment where they'd be in the shower, they'd be in the pool. It was usually around water and they would just have just gunk come out of their, out of their nose mm -hmm. to the point where some of their moms panicked and they were scooping this stuff up, shoving it into a Ziploc bag and driving over to my dad's house. Hmm. And they thought it was their kids' brains that were coming out of their nose. Wow. 
Wow. Now it, it's important to note that your dad's a doctor. So I went. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I know that you. Nate, so. uh, uh, Doctor uh, uh, Jones, terrific man. Uh, you know, because you're validating what I have found in clinical practice. Uh, you know, patients come with chronic sinusitis. They're on rounds of antibiotics after antibiotics after antibiotics. Uh, some of them end up having sinus surgery and all this other stuff. And what I have found is exactly what you say. Now that's an example where, for instance, uh, I'll use Clear, the product Clear specifically. And, uh, you know, it's easy to get at the pharmacies. It comes in a big bottle. And uh, and I'll use it. Actually, I have patients use it, Nate, twice a day, continuously, because we're, we're in the sense, managing chronic sinusitis. And that may be for two to four weeks. That's That's, I mean, that's actually what we tell people. We actually tell people to use it every three or four hours for the first two or three weeks after that, once in the morning, once at night. And the okay. reason why we tell in the three or four hours is, is what you kind of, of led up to. But if you, if your mucociliary clearance cycle is on the shorter end, then you want to keep that pressure. You want to keep the xylitol in that mucus and the snot. So it keeps pressure on that biofilm, but whether you do it two or three times a day or four or five times a day, you're only using it at that high frequency for a couple of weeks and you're going to have that cleansing moment. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. Um, that answers what Carol was asking here. Um, she's using your product clear, Nate. And uh, she says, how often should it be used? You just answered that for preventing COVID or other things. And, uh, and then several times, once per day, you just answered that. But then she says, and can it protect against all viruses? What about that? I won't say that it forget protects against all viruses. Um, because in the research that we did after COVID, um, I don't know how much time I have or how much you want me to go and explain this, but our government came back and said, you can't say this. And so we actually went and did a bunch more research. Uh, and what we found is that the xylitol blocks the rhino, not, not, the, not the rhinovirus. It does not block a rhinovirus, which was interesting, but it did block the SARS-CoV-2. It blocked H1N1. It blocked RSV. And it had a, and it did kind of a, of a weak job of blocking adenoviruses, but there's other sugar alcohols that did a great job of blocking adenoviruses. And erythritol, a four carbon sugar, not, not a five carbon, actually did a better job of blocking the H1N1, but we didn't find anything that had any effect against the rhinovirus. And we're looking, we, we are looking for something. And as soon as we find it, we'll make sure that it's safe and we'll actually include that because we think that's an extra layer of protection. Yeah. What else is in the product besides xylitol, by the way? Um, we use water, obviously, as a carrier. We use xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. We use salt because, I mean, we would actually take the salt out of our product uh -huh. if the government would allow it, because we believe that it actually makes our product a less effective product. And then the other product that we have is actually grapefruit seed extract, which we added to it as a preservative 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the, the grapefruit seed extract is actually what destroys the viruses. The, the grapefruit, the grapefruit uh, extract. Yeah. 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 What we, what we found in some of these studies is that the grapefruit seed extract yeah. destroys this, the SARS-CoV-2 virus at, in, in a, in a lab, in a test tube as effectively as a 70% solution of alcohol and we're using the grapefruit mm. seed extract at a 0.2%. And that's in the product? 
That is what's in the process. And I remember that. I actually remember that point you just said. I do recall that. I've got to throw this curveball at both of you here. Dr. McCullough, this is probably to you first, but then Nate might have something to say about it. This is fascinating as hell. This is a great way to end on, actually. From Raphael, this is from a listener, says, if we listen to this now, if we wanted to protect ourselves from COVID-19, considering that the spike protein is the deadlier portion of this virus, why did they not just find a way to have us ingest small portions of spike protein into our nasal area, not enough to trigger an overall immune response, but just to let the immune system know what a spike protein is and how to deal with it instead of hijacking the human cells to become spike protein factories for unknown quantities and time? How about just a small inoculum of spike protein? Why, why was that never considered? Wow, wow, wow. What do you say to that, uh, Raphael, Dr. McCullough? You know, I interviewed uh, Hamid Merchant. Uh, this is now a long time ago on my show. He's a vaccine developer from the UK. Hmm. And he said that the, the shots for SARS-CoV-2 would never work. That the only thing that would work is a nasal mist. Hmm. A nasal mist. And so the, the key on a nasal mist is get something that's going to stay up there long enough for the body to form immunity. The problem with just squirting some spike protein up is the body's got mucociliary clearance, would probably clear it off you know, quickly before you can form any immunity. However, believe it or not, there have been vaccine designs where you take a bacteria, a relatively benign bacteria, and you make it express the spike protein and let it stay up in the sinuses and use that as a, as a means of trying to get immunity against the spike protein. Wow, this is so, fascinating. Nate, yeah. what do you think of that? Um, well, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's something that you could look at. That isn't an area of expertise of mine. I'm not, you know, into into the vaccines and after you get sick. But what I, you know, I mean, I think in the same vein, um, you know, I'm I'm appalled to this day that our government, that our public health officials, hmm. that they knew yeah. in May of 2020, yeah. That people that had COVID could just use salt water. Yeah. And none, and in all the studies that they've done that I'm aware of, and maybe you know of some that I'm not aware of, Dr. McCullough, but in all the studies that they did mm. with salt water rinses, not using xylitol, not using iodine, not using anything, right. 100% of the patients were better in under a week. 100%. 100%. And that's a good place to end on. We're running right out of time. But Nate, you know what? I started the broadcast with that. Isn't that right, Dr. McCullough, that if in the early part of the pandemic, if the federal government had just if we had just given everybody a bottle of nasal hygiene and uh, 10,000 uh, IUs of D3, do you know how many people we would have saved, Nate? <laughs> Probably most of them. And yeah. and that's an yeah. argument that I make with our government on a I don't want to say a daily basis, but it's an argument that wow. I've uh, wow you know, been yeah. fighting with them in court. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for ending on that point, because it's where we started. And it's a huge point. And it just brings so much home as to why we talk about all this, uh, Dr. McCullough, and why it's so important. And really, the uh, egregious things that have happened throughout COVID land. And that's one of them right there. I mean, you've been such an advocate of early treatment. You've been you've been on the front lines. We've all been trying to help people, but there it is right there. That kind of sums it all up, doesn't it, Dr. McCullough? Sure does. It's been a great program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, friends, that's a wrap here on uh, America Out Loud Pulse here. The uh, 
a two-hour summit. Now, this all goes to podcasts, so you'll be able to catch it all on podcast on the network there. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the broadcast uh, on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead.